revolution Well, you know We all want to change the Welcome world. to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone who wants to uh, participate in an entire rethink, uh, rethinking the entire food system. Um, and in studio with me today is Colin Anderson with Arika's, uh, Arika Compass Vegan Food. So do you think we should rethink the food system? Uh, yes. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that we need to uh, rethink it, but we, we can simplify it because what, what is working is in existence. It's it's crowded out a lot, and um, we have sort of just invested and prioritized uh, a lot of uh, commodification of food. I love what you said there. So what we what we really want is already here. Yeah, yeah, and I. You know, as, as we were talking beforehand, one of the things that I had said of, you know, how we nourish our existence cannot be a threat to our ability to exist. And one of the, I mean, just even how we perceive food is so convoluted. Um, you know, I'd, I'd put some questions to somebody and I would ask, you know, Lord, do you think food is medicine? I would say yes. Do you think there should be universal health care? Yes. Then there should be universal food. Universal food? But but then would everyone be kind of <laughs> lazy? I mean, if everyone had universal food and free health care, then, then, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to right, produce right. as much. And, and, and you know what? There might be other countries that are going to produce more than us. Right. <laughs> so so the problem is the commodification and the commodification of, of food and of each other. Yeah, and not just the the commodification of um, substances viewed as food that are detrimental to our ability to exist. You know, you look at so much within, um, let's say how food is marketed. Okay, you can take uh, one product and the company will say um, – it's such a burdensome chore that you need to feed your family at night. We're going to give you this heavily processed, packaged commodity that frees you of that burden. And then you can also sit there and another company is going to say, how you feed your family is the most important way that you show them love. We've got this inflated cost of something that because you went and spent time doing it and you know buying it and spent the money on it and prepared this special meal that's how you showed your family that you love them and we're a part of that we're this brand that you trust and it's it's this uh dichotomy where either nourishing yourself is a terrible burden or it's the single most important thing. It's this dinner's this miracle that occurs every 24 hours. The, the meal itself is the experience when, in fact, there's, there's such disparity in the world that some people don't even have what's necessarily to exist. And some people can't take one moment and say, I just need to consume some nutrients so that I can exist. And... We have this this like 
really weird relationship all around with food that's tied into so much with our, you know, individual heritages and our, our family and our, you know, finances and all of this. And mm-hmm. we, we so often make decisions that, you know, we, we don't know what the full cost of that decision. We don't really, we're starting to see what the cost of cheap food mm-hmm. is. We're starting to see that, yes, Walmart went into rural America and offered a lot of cheap food, but then we destabilized those communities and they didn't have necessary resources and people moved away. And here in Minnesota, healthcare systems are pulling out of rural communities. So because we went in and we destabilized these communities with cheap food and cheap food businesses, now it's difficult to even live there. And so, so that's actually cycle, the cost I mean, of it. It's um, everything is it, everything. It, there, there, it, it, and these conversations get really super <laughs> complex. But you know what? That's okay, too, because life is complex. Yes. You know? And so we don't have to keep it, you know, it's kind of the conditioning that we have to have it all simplified and linear because that's not the way life works. But now, so I'm going to back up a little bit and you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself because I know you've been a vegan. I know. So if it, we got into it right away. But um, yeah. so what's your background, Colin? Colin um, so. Uh, some of you who are regular listeners to this show, I was on in 2017, right after I had, uh, that summer of 2017, very soon after starting Eureka Compass Vegan Food. Um, I have about, uh, now over three decades of experience within the food, uh, industry. Um, come from a small family confectionery in Northern Illinois called Anderson's Candy Shop, um, I spent about 12 seasons on an organic vegetable farm. Uh, I worked uh, high-end um, grocery retail with Whole Foods Market. Um, I've worked in wholesale produce distribution. Um, I've also worked uh, with McHenry County Conservation District back in the day doing habitat restoration. Um, so seeing the uh, effects of human uh, activity on our land and the um, imbalance and the, the harms from that imbalance um, is, is part of my background. But back in uh, April of 2017, I launched Eureka Compass Vegan Food, which was meant to be uh, an extension of the vegan curriculum. You know, for so long... All that's been offered is introduction to vegan. And now if you're someone who's been vegan since the 90s or, you know, like myself, almost over 15 years now, to the people who've been vegan for 40 years, you know, maybe even 50, maybe even 60. You know, this, is, this mm-hmm. has been mainstream longer than people want to acknowledge it. Um, that you needed a curriculum that went beyond, you know, vegan for the animals, which was actually just vegan for, like, these four types of farm animals. Um, and so it was something that that dived deeper into understanding all that went into getting that food on our plate. And we're going to talk more about this later, but before the show we were talking that, um, like, um, 
the problem is with industrial meat, industrial meat, because there's also almost an industrial vegan stuff growing, almost like a vegan washing. Yes. And so, what does that? How how do you see vegan washing? What 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 is that? Um. So what I see is vegan washing is uh you know into industrial meat. There's that let's we just need to call it industrial agriculture, and um. So much of that is into this uh, monocropped, um, large-scale farming and where you're getting into these uh, specific, you know, limited number, whether it's soy or a pea protein or, um, you know, wheat gluten, things like that that are being produced on such a scale and then... um, processed so much that you're you're still right there needing an incredible amount of land of water of uh you know the farm equipment to harvest it bring it in and you're producing it in such a scale and then shipping it and then processing it in a facility and then packaging it and if you're, um, you know, I'm just going to say it, if you're like an Impossible Burger where you basically built a lab and you're using genetically modified organisms to uh, create a You have intellectual property. property you have intellectual right. property so no one else can show pla- it. Right. And then you're wrapping it in plastic and freezing it. Um, this is This is so far from a dried legume grown 200 miles from my kitchen, kept in a paper bag, unrefrigerated. And we we know that, um, yeah, if it was 1950, Impossible Burger would have been revolutionary. That would have been, that would have been uh, a real meaningful step forward. But we know now that it's not nearly enough. And it's it's not very progressive. It's it's actually operating within the same large scale, overproducing what we need. You know, something that comes up when you talk with people trying to shoot holes in any sort of progressive uh, dietary choices. They're like, "Well, we need to feed the world." Well, we throw out forty percent of the food. <clears throat> we we don't produce enough food to feed this country. We produce enough food to fill giant supermarket display cases, you know, and we, we corrupt that food from once it comes out of the soil to where it goes into a, a snack bag or something. And we are eating for, you know, this taste when if I'm vegan for the animals, I'm thinking of all the animals on this planet and I'm thinking, well, that's that giant, you know, field monocrop field is a, you know, nature abhors that. That's not natural. That's not good. The processing that it takes, what it takes to produce the energy, what it took to build that facility, maintain it, all of this stuff. It could be done in a way that isn't that bad. So, Colin Anderson with Eureka Compass Vegan Foods. We're gonna take a break. Um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and we come back. We're gonna. Just kind of <laughs> process all this, right? Because we can have a food system. We have a food system. It exists right now that can actually feed people in a way that's healthy and vibrant. 
and move beyond these structures. Um, but how do we do that in the real life? Oh, I know. We embrace the real life. <laughs> It isn't easy, but it's possible. Uh, <laughs> you're listening to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and in studio with me is Colin Anderson with Arika Compass Vegan Food. So, Colin, tell us about your vegan journey and what vegan means to you. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, veganism for me, there's, you know, um, and starting Eureka Compass Vegan Food and, and wanting to say, no, we're putting vegan right there on the sign. We're putting it in the name big block letters right there, is that um, it's, it's an effort to reduce harm to veganism. And it, it extends so far beyond what's on your plate that if you're only thinking of veganism as um, a diet, it's, it's not veganism. And so it, it was. It was. It was started as a place where we could sit there and say, "Well, what what harms are being caused in the world? What what do we have as a our lane, the, the parlance of the time? What's what's in my lane? Well, I'm in a lane that people cross over into, you know, two to five times a day, if not more. You know, food. This is the the basic foundation of existence, and. Let's really deep dive into that. And so you start examining um, wh- what does it take as you, you know, are going down this rabbit hole of uh, awareness of, of how you interact with the world um, and the things that you show you value with your dollar, which is the only true measure of value, what we spend money on. and. You're getting in there and saying, well, you know, what's, what's wrong with, oh, great, we have, like, these vegan snack foods or, oh, great, you know, it's everywhere. And so veganism for me is, is working as intently and as uh, presently with seeking to um, – gain the basic necessary uh, levels of nourishment that I need to exist in the least harmful and uh, most sustainable way possible. And this, there's so much that you're shown to celebrate within the vegan community, especially as, um, you know, terrible colonizing fast food chains are embracing it not as a philosophical or ethical step forward, but as a way to uh, get some more money from an emerging market segment um, that you you need to sit there and say, what's actually being funded with my food dollars? Because there's, there's so many terrible things that own so much and, stuff, and so i think you know? that so that reducing harm goes into let's not fund harm 
So let's just, what is, how, how does the food system harm humans? Um, a lot of it is, is just goes into the uh, energy required to process, store, and package it. You know, Forbes, um, uh, two years ago, less than two years ago, uh, this is Forbes. You're thinking this is big business. And they put out an article that was like, hey, um, 10,000 people a day die in this world from fossil fuel pollution. And we immediately, we don't necessarily understand all that's going into fossil fuel pollution. And if you're um, a country like Poland, that's almost 100% coal energy generation, your fridge is fossil fuel pollution. If we're Minnesota, we're still looking that, hey, 26% of our energy is natural gas. Still a, a, over 10% of it is coal that's happening here. That's, that's your refrigerator. So, and then you go into the packaging, Plastic is made of oil. That's a petroleum-based product. And you you lose track of all of the things that all of a sudden, that's plastic in it. And it's this corruption of food that's put it into a convenient, easily consumable commodity. So how do we gain, uh, I'm not, I'm sorry, how, do, how do I gain agency over this food system? I don't know if we do it, but if I do it yeah. and if you do it, then all of a sudden we have a we doing right. it. <laughs> um, and it's, it is you. We, we each can only control our own actions. That's, that's all that we can do. And so with that, um, it, you know, it, it will take effort, you know, getting out of this this. Status quo has not been constructed in a way to make it easy for you to um, extricate yourself from it. But, you know, saying being able to feed myself is a basic life skill. And, and you know, I'm not some conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but we can get in and sit here and say, we have been denied the knowledge that removes us from this a cycle of um, convenient consumerism that has only sought to enrich those that are already wealthy. And so sitting there and saying, I'm going to make this recipe for myself. I'm going to, I'm just going to make something saying, maybe I just need to throw a few of the vegetables that are still in my fridge and a can of beans and make some rice. And I'm just going to toss some sauce over that and I'm going to eat that. And that's one meal out of my life. But if it used up the rest of that produce that was in your fridge, if that, you know, got you to clear out a can of beans that was in the cupboard, that then you mm -hmm. saw that you had some noodles back there, that, oh, that's going to be another meal, that it's this innovation in your perception and your behavior and your habit, that this isn't – that's. We, we will not find it in a product. We will find it in how we enact with that. Yeah, because um, that's the one thing you say is that the solution is not going to be a product. It will not. We cannot produce and consume ourselves out of the impending catastrophe caused by production and consumption. You know, so if you're sitting there and, you know, I, I, I there are times where maybe what I did was had some fruit, and some sunflower seeds went on with my day. You know, it's it's in my mind that 
I don't need to have a meal. I just need to have some nourishment so that I can exist. That the, the meal, I love a special meal. I have a special meal waiting at home for me for tonight. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And I'm excited for it. But sometimes I, I just need to eat something. And you can find it, you know, so unprocessed. But also, you know, I look at, I look at cooking and, and feeling confident in handling food very similar to, you know, anybody who's going to be like an eloquent speaker. You have to have a bigger vocabulary. So just go and try some produce. You know what? Go and just buy the produce that's on sale. Buy stuff. Buy something new. And cook it. It's Cooking is a combination of heat and time. You know, saute that. Try it. Try it raw. See what and you grow like. It. And, and grow, grow it. And grow it. Grow it yourself. I mean, I love, I, we have the permacultures. I can just go out in the yard. I'm, I'm eager for summer. <laughs> just go out and, you know, I, I love to grab whatever greens there are and just... You know, and but also having that relationship with nature is what I want. You know, the relationship. So I'm right. not, I'm not just a thing consuming other things. I'm a being in relationship to a living world. Literally, your heritage as a human being. Yeah. It's, wow. It's how how the basic functions of existence: growing food and preparing food to nourish yourself. And we have actively sought to keep a lot a growing mem- number of the members of this population blind to that yeah we're going to open the eyes right now we're going to take a break and we're going to come <laughs> back we're going to talk about community dinners and the your your new yeah. models uh, with that you're listening to food freedom radio on am 950 the progressive voice of minnesota what's wrong you don't treat me like Like endless rain into a paper cup They slither wildly as they slip away Across the universe Pools of sorrow, waves of joy Are drifting through my opened mind Possessing and caressing me Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone who wants to participate in an entire rethink of the entire food system. And in studio with me right now is Colin Anderson. Is with He's with Erika Compass Vegan Food. And so, Colin, one of the ways that you've been rethinking the food system is this community dinners that you've been doing. So tell us about that. Yeah, so um, the community dinner started uh, in 2017. Um basically as a a food um, waste interception program of, uh, well, I'm, you know, was taking like four days off and was going to be closed and I had all this produce and I just said, let's just make pizzas. Let's just start making pizzas. We'll just say it's pay what you want, pay what you can, everybody come out, whatever. And so we just, I just started making pizzas and putting them out and, you know, this is the before time. So there's before you know, time was it before COVID time? Before COVID times, you know. So this is. Uh, I like that phrase. Which right. is, this is the before. <laughs> this is the before times. Um, you know the halcyon days of the Trump administration, um, and uh, we uh, just you know dozens of neighbors at a time just coming out, and I was just making pizza. Nobody's even asking. Like it wasn't a. It's just like yeah, that's that's collard stock and you know poblanos on a pizza, and 
Um, there was just a real positive response to it. Uh, and then I kind of kept doing them. You know, I'm, I, I just want to stop on this whole pay pay what you pay can. What you want. Yeah. Because there, there's a part of me that, like, aren't some people, like, not paying enough? And then do people pay too much? And I mean, how, how did that um, be non-transactional in this? Uh, well, I, faith in humanity. I mean, it worked. Like, you know, and, and that, that grew because we, we did get to a point where um, people were giving too much. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I can't accept all this money. Um, so we got philanthropic partners. And that was in probably um, – 2017, Thanksgiving of 2017, uh, where um, I, I don't recall exactly who my very first philanthropic partner was. Um, it may have been a, a animal rescue, but um, people gave so much, I was just like, hey, here's 50% of what came in. And then it became something that this is an opportunity, one, for us to uh, harness and um, focus the power that is in communal wealth uh, and also raise awareness for uh, some local direct service organizations that are, are really doing the hard work. And so uh, since that time, we've worked with Little Acorn Sanctuary, uh, which is a goat and chicken sanctuary down in Northfield, um, Seeds Were Sowing, uh, which is a local um, mutual aid organization that was started by my great friends at Ehuru. Um We have uh, women's advocates, uh, Reclaim LGBTQ Youth. Um, the upcoming one is for the Andai Young Indigenous Youth Center here in St. Paul. Um, there's There's others that we've worked with, but what happens with it is you know, the the second Tuesday community dinners that I do right now at Zion Lutheran Church, half of that goes to their food justice initiatives. But it's it's just there. And you you have it where there's never been a point where the cost of the food wasn't covered and we didn't like turn anybody away, you know. It's, it's, I would say it's almost the, the biggest um, frustration that I have with the community dinner program is seldom do people take advantage of the free nourishment. Mm. Um, that's, uh, you know, more people contribute than. And so if people want to participate on this, is going to be airing after yours, but just right. this is what you're serving. This, that, so this will air, but right. let's just give a sample of what yeah. people get. They get baked cauliflower, chickpea cutlets, spicy yam, corn, and black bean salad, uh, wild rice pilaf, garlic and green, and roasted onions, and maple and sunflower oat squares. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a really cool meal. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of those that they're always vegan. They're always gluten-free. They're always nut-free. And, you know, there are some people that are like, hey, would you do something else? It's like, well, it wouldn't be a community dinner if we didn't make it as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, very often they're entirely soy-free as well. Um, we've done a lot that have been corn-free. Uh, but 
you know, it, it comes into, you know, we, I, I never repeat recipes. These are never repeated a menu. So as we were talking earlier before the break, this is an opportunity to educate people on what you can do. You know, how do you make a garbanzo bean and cauliflower cutlet? Well, you chop up a bunch of steamed cauliflower, you mash it up with some, uh, you know, garbanzo beans, you form it into a cutlet, and you bake it. Is that easy? It's that easy. Add some seasoning. Okay, so what kind of seasoning would you add? Um, This one is going to be closer to like a a traditional poultry seasoning with – powdered garlic, uh, some sage, some rosemary thyme, black pepper, mm. um, you know, possibly a little uh, rice flour. Yeah, I was going to say, do you need be... something to make sure that cutlass stays together? I mean, something... No, it'll it'll mash together. I'll most likely make the uh, cauliflower and garbanzo bean mash. Um, you know, if, if it needs it, I work a lot with, well, we'll have oats on hand. You know, another thing with making this where we can offer it this way is like getting the most out of the ingredients. So, okay, we're going to have oats. So let's reserve a cup of the gluten-free oats, grind those to a, you know, on hand to make sure that they're going to not be too finely ground. And I could use that to thicken that up. Um, You know, we'll basically have to see on uh, next Monday when I'm there starting <laughs> to make this of what needs to happen with it. But, you know, all of this stuff, like, it it goes well together. You know, these aren't it's, – it's going to taste how a roasted cauliflower is going to taste. It's going to taste like garbanzo beans. It's going to taste like those seasonings. And it's there in a way. And if somebody was like, well, that, you know, taste being an individual perception – you're just like, well, that wasn't the best thing that you ever did. But, hey, I really liked that pilaf. I really like this. I really like this. And, you know, yes, I got nourished by it. Um, and, you know, oh, this was great that, you know, you raised this money for Ain't I Young. You know? So, yeah. And so now um, these are once a month. And how do people find out They're about twice them? twice a month. Oh, twice a month. So I do – right now I do two a month. Uh, the second Tuesday of every month. Is at uh, Zion Lutheran Church, um, Aldine and LaFond in the Hamlin Midway. The fourth Tuesday of the month is at Hamlin Church United Methodist, uh, Inglewood and Snelling by Hamlin University. Um, you can find more information about the community dinner program at eurekacompassveganfood.com. Uh, there's ordering information, a little bit more history about it. Um, if you're on Instagram, uh, Eureka Compass Vegan Food. Um, but any, and honestly, there's uh, contact information on the website. Um, if anybody has any questions, they can email me. Um, they can reach out on social media. I'm not on Facebook, but, um, and uh, we're actually also going to be doing some uh, Saturday events. Um, and, you know, they're they're just great gatherings as well. You know, that's that's part of this great food lane is a lot of people come together at the table. And um, they're, once you've ordered, I do send out, you know, emails uh, announcing it. Um, you have a few links to my expansion, uh, expansion campaign pages that um, there's updates there where I announce the menus first. Um, so you can go back and see what some of the previous menus have been. Um, 
but this just comes into you know let's let's give people an opportunity to uh you know do more with the financial value that they give to their food um and and that still then that meal is unique you know last tuesday uh at zion i think i did close to 80 meals that's 80 people that got to experience something that will never exist again. Yeah, and I like because you're going to say, share some recipes. And, and you're like, dude. So I, you, mean, I could tell you, I'd, I'd rather share like some techniques, some just perceptions of it. Well, because yeah. I, I love this idea. So of the idea of just um, cauliflower and chickpeas. Yep. Yep. Add, you could add, uh, you know, if you're, if you're not gluten-free, adding some wheat gluten to it or some breadcrumbs would be a great way to make a – uh, cutlet. You know, if mm-hmm. you if you are um, gluten free, uh, working with gluten free oats. If if even gluten free oats aren't ideal for you, um, just some white rice flour or coconut flour. Coconut flour um, is a wonderful addition because it's it's going to absorb a lot of the moisture and it's going to just make that stick. And you could pan fry it. I'll be baking them uh, at the church kitchen. Um, and, you know, and, and e- even that right there, like, I'm so thankful for these community partners that I have at Pastor John at Zion Lutheran, Reverend Mariah at Hamlin uh, Methodist that, you know, they, they see what this is. And they're saying this is, this is just a great opportunity for us to uh, be a community house. Pastor John says, this can be a community house. I'm not a member of either of these congregations. A lot of the people who come in there, you know, they're just in the community, but they have these fellowship halls. They have these facilities. Why not work together to uh, serve the community in this way? And so, yeah, but a a cutlet like that, um, you know, cauliflower, even on its own, just uh, slicing it into, you know, bigger florets or just nice steaks. And a little bit of salt on it, uh, oil a pan, put it in the oven, 385, check it after 12 minutes, flip it, check it after another 10 minutes. I love That's it. That's incredible. It is very good. I mean, Heat in time. Heat in time. <laughs> um, and uh, so uh, but the other side of this, too, is how we uh, source our food locally. Yes. And, you know, we're in a moment right now where – with the entire global food system, I mean, <clears throat> one with Ukraine being a major producer of food, and Russia has this um, is a major producer of fertilizers. We don't know what this world is going to be like. I mean, it's kind of a scary time. It is. Um, or it is a scary time. There's no kind of about that. You know, to to right there is is something that we were talking about earlier. Um, let's let's not be scared. Let's not be scared. Okay, Let's, I'm going to take no, a break. But, okay. You know what? I'm going to take a break. Okay. And we're going to come back and Excellent. we're going to end that <laughs> on the, in the last segment. We're going to talk about how not to be scared because there's like a lot of things to be scared of it's late. True. So <laughs> you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headline, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone who wants to participate in an entire rethink of the entire food system. And uh, with me in studio today is Colin Anderson with Erika Compass Vegan Food. And when we were on a break, we were talking about not being afraid. Don't be afraid. I, and again, I, I've, I've said a little bit about innovation and perception. What, what a privilege it is to be alive right now with an opportunity to be the people who save the future. Like, what's so awesome. <laughs> this is, there's some big problems. What are we going to do? We get to solve the problems. And it, it's actually not very hard, okay? Um, I, you know, there have been uh, issues with the globalization of the food chain that are, are far beyond any one individual. Um, Ukraine has, I think, really opened it up. And I think there's because you're sitting there and you're saying, yeah, this is a big producer, not only of actual like commercial food commodities throughout Europe, but what they provided to the UN food aid program. You know, we're talking about like for over 40 percent of wheat and a lot of other staples that were being distributed by the UN to some of the most uh, at risk uh, populations going through terribly tumultuous times. And there's a lot to be not afraid of, but a lot to be compassionate towards. Yes. Yes. And that what what has happened with this in in all of since the pandemic is that this is this terribly fragile uh, network of distribution. It's it's literally Popsicle sticks and scotch tape roller coaster <laughs> held together by the sheer force of our ignorance and forward momentum, like blinders on. Like if we turned and looked, yeah. we would get scared, shake, and the whole thing would crumble. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, so that I reached out to someone, I'm not going to say their name, but I was like, I just want to know what's going on with the global food system with this Ukraine thing. You want to come on? Nobody wanted to talk. And I think it's because of what you just said. And there's a part of me that thinks that there's some people out there that are really. Uh, deeply afraid because they know so much. Yes. And it's, and it's you know, and uh, yeah. again, life is complex. So I yeah. don't want to spout out anything. If somebody's, <laughs> when someone's hungry or their child's hungry, I mean, yeah, I don't want to. I mean, that's that's really hard. That, we don't even, you. I can Somebody tell you that own. we don't have to look more than a mile from where we're at right now to find somebody who's facing food insecurity. Um, and that's that. That uh, what we said at the beginning, you know, if food is medicine, because food is medicine, but food is also um, makes people ill. They literally pay to eat food that makes them ill. Mm -hmm. And it's it's viewed as like this success, you know, like, oh, we have this this first world victory of like, oh, we can just spend money and fill our stomach with. Something that's really <laughs> terrible, like a, a, car, a carcinogen, you know. Wow, we won. Dude, <laughs> that pat on the back is literally the hand holding you down. And it's keeping you tied into a uh, capitalist system that is only there to exasperate the wealth gap. And we, we, you and I cannot step up and change this. But this takes encouraging solidarity, encouraging individuals to uh, have the courage to make an honest 
personal examination of their habits and behaviors. And there's a lot about the energy of the times, and I encourage people to watch the movie The Co-op Wars because it depicts how the co-op started here in the Twin Cities. It was actually a lot of fun. I mean, it started when Dean Zimmerman, someone went up to Dean Zimmerman and said, do you want to buy a freezer? And he went and he looked at a small grocery store and said, well, what if we rent the whole place? Right. I mean, that's how Sewer Co-op started 50 years ago. So, I mean, it's like how do how do we – how do we – And we can, this is how we do it is um... – a book that I recently read, uh, Deep Economy by Bill McKibben. Um, it's about localization. And this is, uh, this is a thorny issue within the vegan community. I'm, I'm vegan for myself. I, 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 all I want is people to be mindful and intentional and aware of uh, what they're funding. But building... The, the bigger project that I'm working on is building a secure, equitable, and more sustainable localized economy and network for providing basic nourishment to this community. And this comes into this innovation and perception of do I want any possible desire that I come upon in my day delivered to me or available to me immediately – and or do I want to just live a simple, intentional life so that all may live? I mean, it's it's bumper sticker yeah, stuff. It slow really down, is. you move too fast. Right. You, you know, got to make the moment last. Right. Maybe I'm fond of something, but yeah. yeah. So this 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 um our common thing to have it right now and get everything mailed to us instead right. of slowing ourselves down. And uh, we only have a minute and a half, but I know I think one thing you were pointing to earlier because I've heard a lot of intelligent people speak about we need animals in the land because animals when they do their business actually help the carbon cycle and so you know um, and so but having all grass-fed meat doesn't really work in the industrial system so it's for some it's eating less meat or some not eating any meat but it's all individualized too i mean that's yeah it's not just spotting out one answer you know and we that, that goes into the localizing is am i fine not having you know jackfruit from thailand Yes, I, I eat these other things, okay? And if, if you are going to eat meat, you know, it's going to be uh, – you don't want to confront somebody about that. Food is an emotional and a cultural thing. Mm. Um, but you, you are seeing a movement in meat that people are buying local. They're, they're wanting that relationship with their product. We want our relationships, man. It's not even all that complicated, is yeah, it? But so, listen, now we, we're down to the end. So it was fun having you on. This uh, is a blast. Colin Thank Anderson, you so much, Laura. Erika Compass Vegan Food. Yeah, so you can check out um, community dinners, pay what you want. And, um, you know, let's have agency over our food system. And um, have some fun. Definitely. And not be so afraid. Not be so, so many, afraid. Don't be afraid. There's so many things to be afraid of. No. <laughs> <laughs>